I, these things to me, I'm like, when the woke police comes out, I'm like, shut <laughs> up and sit down. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's such a privilege. There's such a thing as a woke police. <laughs> no, seriously, like there's people coming out. There's young people coming out these days. Yeah. And they are calling people out without knowing anything about the culture. Uh, what they're calling out. And yeah. for me, that's problematic because that doesn't actually lead to change yeah. at all. In fact, that leads to a lot of animosity, yeah. right? Because that's basically the stepchild of colon settler colon colonialism is coming in, not knowing anything and taking over, you know? Yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't have that. I have patience for people who don't know better. I have patience for people who don't know better. I don't have patience for people who cause e irreversible harm necessarily but i have a lot of patience for people who want to do well and make a lot of mistakes you know what i mean and i don't think that these our generation and younger need to come out and tell anybody you. any different what i do think we need to do though is powerfully move forward with our new standards and rules we need to power we need to be so confident that we're not going to use certain words anymore, that we're not going to say certain... We need to be so clear and confident and move forward so that the future can understand what the new standards are. Hello to all and welcome, welcome, welcome to Chai with Rye. Hello, I'm Rye and I am sick again. Everyone is coughing or sneezing in London and I feel like hay fever is not helping people and basically the tube is just rammed with people coughing and sneezing and I need this to be gone. But, you know, we digress and I am again on the supplement live courtesy of my hero that is the great Naomi Campbell. Of course, I am referring to the iconic YouTube video channel that she has launched and in one of the videos she breaks down her breakfast smoothie and supplements that she takes if you haven't watched it I'm just saying you need to check it out but back to the show welcome to new and returning listeners to Chai with Ryan a show where we discuss all things food fitness politics social issues sex life lessons the digital space and of course the industry itself with experts from the fitness food and entertainment sector all whilst having a good or cup of chai now the show is recorded live and transferred to podcast form so to watch any of the videos of the episode or the previous one simply go to youtube and just type in chai with right to find the relevant episode however as always i will pop down all the information in the bio of the episode so you know check that out <sighs> breathe it was so much fun editing this episode and i cannot wait for you to hear this and i said this whilst filming but brinda who's on the show is so talented so beautiful and so effing intellectual like literally so much that i felt dumb i felt dumb like an idiot talking to her literally and if you as an audience person basically listening to this show if you're a person of power and you have an establishment get her in there to be a speaker or a lecturer about anything pertaining to you know maybe the topics that she's averse in but you know just anything Brenda's just great. But to give you a bit of a sneak peek of what we talked about in the show, we dove deep into all things from Kathak to Flamenco, the 
the classical Indian dance industry to experiment her work for culture appropriation, her partner who is also an artist, digital space, of course, you know, and so much more. But this is going to be a short one, people, and it is jam-packed. So get your cuppers ready and let's dive into this sipping cha-chat. That was meant to be cha-chat, but, you know, let's just dive into today's episode. The game is called Five Second Rule. I'll say three things for you to name and you have five seconds to name them. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, this. this is wait, your first- Wait, hold on, first... I, need my, I need to get my glasses on. Okay, no I just gotta worries. like, that's how I concentrate. Okay, ready? <laughs> no right, worries. All right. Okay, this is your first try. We'll give this as a first try. In five seconds, please name three things you do before going to sleep. Go. A stretch. Uh, uh, oh! <laughs> ah! <laughs> okay, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. I got scared, okay, I got scared. That. that was warm up. That was warm up. Okay. That was warm up. That was warm up. I don't actually stretch. And that was also a lie. I don't also stretch. I also don't stretch. What so, did you do before going to sleep? Nobody knows. I stumble into bed. But here we are. Let's try again. Let's try again. Okay. Ready? ready? Three things you say when you're happy. Go. Yay! Woo! Let's go! <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. That was just close. Okay. Three ways of saying I have a headache. Go. Oh. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> was okay. that? That was good. That was good. But you missed oh, it just I'm being very seconds. vulnerable right now. You okay. got this. You got this. All right. Two more left. All right. Okay. Three things we will find in your fridge. Cilantro, Snapple, butter. Wow, cilantro. I, <laughs> I don't like putting that in the food. It tastes like <laughs> so, it tastes like we so. have we have guinea pigs, and guinea pigs apparently love cilantro. So okay, and, me and okay. the guineas are fighting over cilantro pretty pretty often. So, but here okay. we are. Last one. Three policies, if you were to run on as your presidency. Okay, ready, go. Universal health care, uh, dismantling mass incarceration, and ooh! <laughs> I was so close. I was People so close. Pay rights, maybe? I mean, there's like 700 things this country needs to do, so <laughs> it's really hard to choose. <laughs> I miss, okay, it's, it's bad to say this. I'm, I'm very much into world politics, and I feel like I'm less into British politics as more I am into American politics. But well, that's because miss- everybody here just makes a damn fool of themselves. So, yeah, but I must know, say, Biden it's... keeps a quite hush hush. Like, do you remember the days of like the well, view? Well, as it like... should be though, as it should be. Like, I don't want to know what the president's up to every day. Like, he should be working. You know what I mean? He has a pretty important that's... job. You know that is true. But it was fun. <laughs> Trump was fun in terms of like his updates. He was not was. fun. Don't listen. You are not going to get me to agree with that, sir. No, no. I mean, okay. Listen. In terms of every day, there was something. There was something that was happening with the presidency. So I, I never say this about anybody, but he could go to hell. Like he could go to hell. That okay. man. That man can go to hell. He can. I feel like. Can. I mean, like I. Can I just say, in a weird concept, you have to at least agree with this, right? It okay. gives all of the the celebrities, the people who just don't need to take the political route and things like that, hope that you can become the American president. Like, you can become the United States of America president. Like, you don't need a lot of things. You could just, like, 
you know, as long as they have money, power. And what does that and what does that say about our society that people look at that and go, you know what? The takeaway is <laughs> the takeaway is that the, the takeaway is I need to be not so. I need to and I I need to be not good at anything to be the leader of the free world. I mean, for me, that says way more about our society. I feel you. I feel you. But I was like. <laughs> I was like, wow, you could literally be anybody. Oprah, come on. You could be anyone. Yep. Agreed. You could be anybody. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> let me just pin this. We have an hour. I'm going to rummage through this. And right. if I am running over, you're going to do this. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. How are you? How's your day? Let's, let's do that because I feel like we should center ourselves before we get into this hurricane yes. of conversation. So I'm good. I just came from rehearsal with Souls of Duende. Thank you so much yes. for that lovely introduction. Not at all. I feel like I've messed up so many things for so, like that entire situation where I was trying to pronounce so many things. Oh, no, you're uh, fine. Okay. You're fine. As, as long as we get close enough um, and then to you know, something. Keep our, as, keep ourselves open to the corrections when we meet those people that are oh there. by all means as you talk about souls of duende i'm just going to throw ah, this little visual yes, in there that's yes, the we have we have a great show coming up it's our first show back after you know this in like really challenging year you know and yeah. so it's our first show back and it's a 20 minute set. And for those of you who are not familiar with what we do, we do tap, flamenco and katak footwork. So it's very, yes, exactly. So it's very uh, labor intensive and it's very athletic in that way. And it's a lot, 20 minutes, that means it's a long set. So I'm just translating that for everybody. Um, but it is our first set back in a public space in a live show for Drums Along the Hudson, uh, which is a festival here commemorating and celebrating um, indigenous culture. So we're very excited to be headlining this Sunday. And so I was coming from rehearsal, was running late, all the things, all the things, messaging, right, <laughs> letting them know I'm coming late. But um, thanks for holding. And thanks Not for at all. I feel like um, we talked about this already, but I have seen, if you haven't seen any of Brenda's interviews or any of the stuff, firstly, I think you should be a lecturer if you're not already. Oh, I think God. you should do no guest. No, I think you should do guest <laughs> lecturing. I really think. And the second thing I would love for you to get into, because we talked about it last night, which is you say in the start of predominantly a lot of your conversations, your pronouns, where you're at, and Lenape. And for those people who do not know what Lenape culture or um, that situation is, if you could elaborate on that, because I only learned about it, what, 12 hours ago. So, please. No, I mean, I have to pass the mic, you know, over to my, or I guess the baton and the trophy, over to my employers at Dance NYC. They have really taught us how to properly <laughs> Uh, introduce ourselves in spaces, especially in the context of American culture and where we are right now, the things and the experiences that we're trying to center as we fight for justice in various forms. So this is kind of why I introduce myself, I would say, and I am going to say that I ident my name is Brenda Gujo, my pronouns are she and her, I identify myself as a non-disabled caste privileged, cisgendered, um, queer, South Asian American woman, and choreographer and artist and organizer. And I am calling in from Lenape land. Um, and Lenape, the Lenape Muncie people are part of a 
a, a large nation of many tribes and they are the indigenous people of this area in America, uh, in, in, in the United States of America. America is much larger, larger than, than the States. Than but, the States. Um, yeah, but you know, this part was originally Lenape Mansi land. And so it's important to acknowledge the land that was stolen um, from them. Thank you for that. Thank you for yeah. educating the people. Um, if you don't sure. know, now you know, and you better ask somebody. Um, <laughs> <we're> gonna, <laughs> let's get into it. So okay. I think hopefully you had a chance to read through some of the questions. If you haven't, we're just going to organically go through yeah. this. I'm going to have it pulled up just so I can also read as you're talking. No um, worries. My first question to you is, which is not on there. Are you a hair person? Because recently I watched your interview with Varda and you were a bit blondish. And before that, dare I say, you have had black hair and blue hair. Uh, <laughs> I've never had blue hair. I, oh, blue it hair. must be a lighting in one of the pictures would made, with made it look blue. Oh, I was going to say, do we have that in common? Because I'm a hair person. I love to switch it up. Like, literally. No, no, no. I, I'm actually, that's funny that you asked that. I'm actually totally not a hair person. Are you I'm not? Like, no. When I get my hair done, it's like once every, like, three to four years. Like, literally. And in this, I recently got it done. It was originally, believe this, it was originally, like, a dark purpley red. Oh, okay. And it lasted for about six or seven days and then it turned blonde. And so $300 later, I'm Ooh. just kind of adjusting, but this was not the original intention. <laughs> I wonder what the hair journey will be like. I need I to see this. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Have, you, have you ever had a fringe? Like a blonde no, fringe? I've never. I mean, no, that's not true. That's mm. not true. I had it when I was like maybe four that was the okay. that was the look in Kolkata, India. That was the look, the fringe, the and fringe, the short, the short, right? Oh, the short, I mean, short here. The and bobs, here. Did, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, the four-year-old Brenda. That was when I was, you know, living it up. <laughs> living it up. Well, let's get into it. How has your perception of the industry changed? Because you started quite small as well. In regards to, I feel like all Kathak or like classical dancers do when they grow up. Um, how has your perception changed from when you started out working, especially to where you are today? Um, as well, how has your path changed? Because I feel like when you start out as a dancer or a young ingenue in the industry, uh -huh. you, you have all these goals, like I wanna work for this artist, I wanna work on this stage, I wanna do this. How uh -huh. has that changed? And are you today where you thought you would be? Mm, great question. Um, no, the answer is no to the second part. <laughs> and that's it. Let's move on. <laughs> that's, the, that's the short answer. I guess my, you know, because there's a lot of questions here. So I want to make sure we get to most of them. But I will say yeah. in a concise way that my perception of the industry has changed in the sense that what I thought I was entering yeah. was much more glamorous than it is. Oh, God. What I thought I was entering was, you know, the American dream of hard work pays off and you and you achieve show, you know, you're in show business and then your life becomes about the work, becomes about the art, the work and the setup and the way yes. that you set yourself up for success every day. I thought there was a destination. I had no I was, I was very naive. I still am in many ways, but I was very, very naive in thinking that way. 
Um, I thought there was some big sparkly stage like waiting for me, you know? Um, I did not realize that I'd have to fight every contract, that I'd have to fight every negotiation, that I'd have to even comment on what's happening in the world. You know, I wanted to dance to my favorite songs. I didn't really know what, 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 uh, opportunity we had to actually change the change the 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 energy and the spirit with which people move through this space move through this world i didn't realize what a responsibility we had in dance and within the vocabulary and the disciplines of dance to actually get people to move towards action i didn't know that I didn't know any of that. So for me, it has been this outward destination. And now the destination, like the arrow points in now. <laughs> and I'm trying to see how far in I can go because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's both, both things are true that we are very small and we are very important at the same time, you know? Um, and so the, the, the industry has taught me that. Damn the industry. Damn the industry. Yeah. It kills you. You grew up with your mother, who was your guru. Mm -hmm. um, I believe I pronounced that correctly. Malabika? Malabika? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Malabika. Yeah. That's her. Hi, Mom. Can I just say, I wanted to show a picture where she's smoking a cigarette. Or was it a cigarette? <laughs> I was like, that's quite. I was like, I was like quite... all right, Ma. That was in uh, Miami. She was living her life there. I was like, that's thug life. Um, <laughs> Have you, growing up, did you feel immense pressure to have this sort of, this sort of legacy to carry over? And did you know mm. you were going to go into classical dance or experimental work at that point or not really? So the answer to the second question is that, yes, I knew I was going to, I knew that I was going to have what I was learning converse with other styles. I knew right. that from an early age because my cultural experience was very different from that of my mother's, which she shared with us along the way while being our teacher. So she shared with us the cultural experience and I was able to, I was able to compartmentalize what she was saying and what I was yeah. going through, you know? So I knew, I grew up, my first performance that I saw was at a local library with West African dancing. Like for me, oh, wow. I, that, that wasn't even, like Indian dance was not, it was it was always part of my life, but if if I was to stage something or see something for the first time, and I mean, I grew up watching hip hop. I grew up watching salsa and bachata and merengue. I grew up watching West African. I grew up watching TV with all these famous shows, you know. So for me, it was it was my world of my interests was very wide, and then at home. And at the temple and at the school, we were learning Kathak. Yes. And for me, Kathak was one of those things. I didn't make that connection that Kathak is really the closest thing to my heritage. Wow. Uh, maybe not as a Bengali, maybe as an Indian, but like it was the closest thing to my <coughs> heritage. Everything else felt close too because I identify as American, right? And so when you have exposure to things, you feel the proximity to things. And so for me, it wasn't this like profound closeness I felt to Kathak. I loved everything, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but then over time, and this is the interesting part, over time, I, I just was gravitating towards cultural Indian dance forms. For me, it was much more important than to then like zoom in 
as I was growing into my own and I was realizing how fucked up the world is. <laughs> I was starting to go, oh man, I have this skill set. I have this skill set and I have this vocabulary, but I'm not internalizing any of this. And I need to start internalizing this. I need to start understanding this, you know, so I can embody it. Right. And so that journey kind of took me closer and closer. And now I'm an advocate for Indian dance for that reason, because I had to actually go from out to in, in that, in that process, you know, and the grass is greener, right? When you have, when you have access to something, you're curious about something else. I had access to a lot of, at least watching a lot of different forms. And so for me, the, the, the sincerity of Indian arts um, was a journey that I took with age. Do you think because you're such an advocate for Indian dancing, I, I always ask this question for people who have a great understanding and a training in classical or folk dancing, uh -huh. um, be it of South Asian heritage or like Spanish culture or other cultures or like African cultures. Do you think in the, in the space that we're in today and where the dance industry is moving to and where uh -huh. the lines of, and we'll get to that question. And I think you talk about- a My lot ring about, light turned off, keep talking. It's I'm so fine, it. it's so fine. We talk about cultural appropriation and the lines are so blurred in, uh -huh. in race and diversity. Do you think that as a dancer, coming into this industry uh -huh. and if you're from an ethnic minority background that you should have a basis or a basic understanding in the heritage of your cultural dancing do you think that you need to be the culture of what you're dancing is that what you're saying yes or have an understanding of it yeah i do yeah I do. I do. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate because I think we were programmed to kind of think that like the world is our oyster and we can just kind of like do whatever we want, you know, and I don't know how true that is. You know, I, I'm, I, <laughs> I don't mean to be like, you know, no, I, I feel be, you. <clears throat> I, I'm just a very, I, I'm honest about these things because I, I think it's important that we're not delusional. You know, and for me, I'm not saying that if you're not Indian, you can't study Indian dance. I would ne I would never say that. That's 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 so not what I'm saying. What I'm yeah. saying is that there needs to be there needs to be uh, the centering of the experiences and the journey and the knowledge of the people who hold the form as gatekeepers. The, the people who hold the form as gatekeepers need to be centered in the work. Agreed. That's how I feel. So like when I studied flamenco, I felt a, a true connection to the form because there are roots that connect flamenco to North India and, and in terms of the gitanas and all the people who traveled and the nomadic bards. And so for me, that was, there was a connection there, but I just never, I just never felt and I also didn't understand why people wanted to feel the most important in the room. Like to mm -hmm. me, to me, it was just really, I wanted to share the form. I wanted to share the form with other beings and I wanted the permission of my teacher to do so, you know? And my teacher who was from Andalusia, you know, Southern Spain, and she's, and, and I felt like she was a gatekeeper of the form, you know? And, and not just because of the cultural identity, but because of her cultural 
because of her experience. My damn ring light doesn't want to stay on. <laughs> it's okay. It's turning off. Anyway, but it's because of the, it's because of the actual, she, she didn't, she held on to the form through cultural experience, but also through her training and her journey with the people and, and, and the gatekeepers that held the form for her. So right. when she held the form for us, it was important for me to follow her lead. Does that make sense? And, mm -hmm. and in her world, for example, I'm using her as an example. Her name is Dionisia Garcia, by the way. Yeah, I, I mentioned if you guys don't know. Yeah, yeah, she's she's wonderful. I haven't studied in a few years, but I used to be with her for about 10 years. And and she's amazing. And she's based in New York. And I we followed her lead. I mean, she had everybody in her class. She mm -hmm. had she had Cubans. She had Puerto Ricans. She had she had, you know, um, uh, white Americans. She had Polish. She had Russian like she had everybody. But she gave us the permission and her mission was to really be these mostly women identified bodies moving together in packs you know so when she established what the premise was we went with it we went with mm. it because our teacher said we could you know what i'm you saying had the blessing. whereas and, and so we had the blessing and it wasn't just like a okay i bless you you may go now with yeah, the form. it wasn't that it was like yes it was like you have a responsibility to be in this work with us so she had no problem for example taking me out of dances that i didn't show up to rehearsal for i don't get access to it because i paid for class mm -hmm. that's that that you know what i mean i get access to something because i worked for it and because that person has the space to invite me into it and I think that's the difference with culture. If you're not invited into the culture after doing your work, I don't think we can be mad when we're not doing the, the main person. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that that's one of the things that we do wrong. I think we think, I think we think that we have access to everything. I think we're, we just think we're allowed to, to touch everything, you know? And I wonder what would it be like if we not asked permission, but observed more than observed and learned and, and waited for our cue, you know, before just walking into things that we think because our wallet is thick that we could go do that, you know? I think some, some of it comes from, I can only speak from my experience within South Asian dancing. And even though I, I've done, I won't say fusion anymore because I watched one of your interviews and it talked about using hybrid as a word. Hybrid, yeah. <laughs> Which I love. That's a better word, isn't it? <laughs> Such oh my a nice goodness. word. Um, I think it comes from certain things not being maybe institutionalized. Oh, yeah. Um, and also with the fact that there's no... <clears throat> I think certain certain things get diluted under the umbrella of <clears throat> Bollywood. Mm-hmm. And so that, uh, other genres. And I think in that there, there lies a problem. And... I have a question. I have a question. Okay. Why did, why did you say you you kind of went <clears throat> Bollywood what did you mean by <clears throat> Bollywood? <laughs> I think people know that for those of you who watch me I have a very um love and hate relationship with Bollywood Why I think that well a I grew up watching it as a South Asian person and it was very much part of my culture and I think when I got into the industry I got into a Bollywood company to get back in touch with because I was dancing predominantly and doing like the X Factor rounds and like doing commercial dancing and contemporary work. And there weren't South Asian people in there. And I wanted to join to be part of my culture. 
and uh-huh. just go back to that. And when I went to it, I I saw the politics of the industry, and I uh-huh. saw certain things like when I would do movies and these big choreographers that I looked up to, how they would have white dancers or black dancers at the front, and they would put South Asian dancers back. Then I saw the South Asian choreographers and directors who didn't know or didn't have any knowledge in or training in traditional dancing put bindis on their white clients or give them belly belts as part of the Asian experience and Mm. in that also promoting it and then when I went and did movies and crossover movies I would see white dancers getting tanned and being put forward so it it, it's um yeah it it kills your passion a little bit and then also people who are in the industry who are South Asian who use you um well, I mean, I yeah. think it's important to listen. I'm not one to defend Bollywood because I asked that question because I have I have similar uh, I have similar thoughts. But it's weird because I make that, money. It's weird because I make money off it, and I think that's the sad part. Like currently, right. I teach a class, and I there's a part of it that I enjoy the students and I love the experience that I can bring. You know, that experience right, of making right. someone happy. But the right. behind the scenes of it kills the hell out of me. And I'm just right. like, well, I think it... it's important. What I was going to say was you have to you have to uh, define we have to define what we mean when we're saying Bollywood. I think my biggest issue with Bollywood is the word. Like, honestly, yeah. honestly, I've gotten to the point where I'm not I'm like I'm looking at it and I'm like, do you mean the industry? Do you mean the business? Do you mean the you dance? Mean... Is there a yeah. dance form called Bollywood? Is it is it an extraction from music videos and video and film? Like, what is the what does it mean when you're ta- when when people are talking about Bollywood, right? Like, it's yeah. like me saying, you know, like I teach an industry. Like, it's like me saying I teach conventions. I yeah. I teach convention dance, <laughs> and you know, and I'm like that's that's what it sounds like to me, you know, and and that's what I'm trying to still. Understand. Reckon with, yeah, yeah. I I don't know what Bollywood means. I actually really really appreciate old Bollywood dancing. I appreciate Absolutely. the com- I appreciate the commercialization of, uh, you know, classical and folk forms in an entertainment space where people had equitable access to the movies. I mean, we're talking about old Bollywood. We're talking about a place where farmers could go, where rural people could mm. go, and they can mm. have a night out and they can pay you know, 15 rupees to go see a movie. Like, I'm talking about access. To me, the the premise is beautiful. But what it's turned into is this under white supremacy and under the actual delusion of what is right and what is great. It has turned into the equivalence of, of culture, you know, and it's, it's one part of the culture. You know, it's what it's the commercialization of the culture, which is cool. And even within that, I have questions. But in general, um, I'm I'm always confused by what we're trying to say when we say Bollywood. <laughs> I want to know. Like, I want to know. Hey, I'm know. there with you. I'm trying to figure out. That's why I'm still here. But there, because yeah. what you're saying is, is this is this is this struggle you feel inside with yeah. how they conduct themselves versus what it can be for people, right? And you're talking about this struggle and that struggle is deep. That's that's the dance industry in, in general. general.
in a video yeah. you stated in one of your videos and I, I think like this is the running theme um, and I'm quoting you on this my work consists in understanding the history and culture of Indian classical dance Indian classical music and Indian classical history well how well. <laughs> no my question was that and going back to the previous conversation that we talked about mm-hmm. how do you balance that when you're creating work which can be an hours of a class set to non-indian classical music or creating work for the purposes of digital commercial usage well first of all i said that in trinidad in 2019 yes I you think. said that in that yeah. workshop yes and that's what i don't like about trailers because what but they s- up, snippets they take <laughs> snippets but i had an entire speech before that about <laughs> the problematic use of the word classical. Yes. So so what they kind of kept was this like weird ending sound bite. Like, ah! I don't know if that sound bite like encompasses what I meant, but the the context of what I was saying was that the word classical is problematic because the word classical infers the patronage. And the patronage yes. is then speaks upon, you know, class and caste systems that we know are unjust. So So we're talking about something that I love, which is Indian classical dance, something that I love. And I love the divinity of it. I love the codification of it. I love the styling. I love the premise. I love the presentation. I love everything about the vocabulary, the discipline required, everything. I love everything about it. And yet I know it's problematic because it's appropriated its own regional forms, mm. you know, of dance. So so within that in that space it was i was i was talking about how the term studying it and being involved in it means dismantling it a little bit you know and talking about why it may no longer serve us mm-hmm. does that make sense and then it and does, then we yeah. did a dance then we did a dance to chakademis murder she wrote after that <laughs> so <laughs> So for me it was just like that moment of that that's really what I was actually talking about but that's not kind of what came through um it's important to understand what something is and what something is called and why so you can decide if that's how you want to move forward you know there's a lot of people there's a lot of people doing that work putting in that work like for decades trying to reclaim the word contemporary like ananya chatterji dr ananya chatterji yeah. in in minneapolis Minnesota she's you know the social justice choreography based in uh, a style of dance that she calls yorcha a discipline of dance that she calls yorcha which is based on vinyasa yoga and chow and odissi dance right and she's really codified this like this she doesn't you can't do stuff like that in 3 years you do stuff like that in 30 years right yeah. and then and then you decide what what perceptions serve us you know and some of those things then don't And so this word classical is tough because it it has the word class in it. In it. You know? And so then we have to like love we, there's this thing that we love. <laughs> but then the other side of us is like, wow, but people didn't even have access to it. Yeah, and I think I that's that's the internal that's the internal battle, you know? I think it's interesting that you brought up that person. I'm going to look that up because for a while I've been like every time i have a classical dancer on here i talk about the the 
elitist colorism caste system that comes with it a little bit and i always mm-hmm. talk about this this beautiful alvin ailey has created but this horton technique that you know people have and i was like why is it that the south asian community doesn't have something like that on a mass scale which is codified which is done in a way and still has that because i think for people like yourself and Akram and Ishita and even Project Convergence, um, Ramitha and Vikas, you guys create beautiful work, but it, it's inspired from a narrative of, of classical. And I think as a person of today, when you yourself don't believe those narratives or, or want to challenge those narratives, what's the balance? Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. You're kind of, you're kind of, dis, you're kind of, Oh, what's the word? Uh, comparing apples to oranges right now. Because when we're talking about things that are as old as anything that comes from the Indian subcontinent, mm-hmm. when you're talking about things that are that old, we have to remember that if it wasn't for cast in class, we would actually be able to name the names. You know what I mean? Like we would actually be able to move forward with the with the true definition and, and titles for things. Like for example, like the gatekeepers of Bharatnatyam dance are upper class, upper caste, mm. you know, men in a lot of spaces. And 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 it, it, it used to be called Sadir. It was from the Devadasis. Like it was, it was, it was something else, right? And then it turned into something else. And then that thing, based on the power structure of the country, the power structure of the people, of the government, then there's a lot of things that happen to the form in order to preserve the form. Got it. Right? And so when people say, say to me that politics doesn't always need to be in dance, I say... <laughs> I say, you know, because that's that's the that's the criticism. It's like, why yes. does every piece need to be political, right? And I get it, you know, but I just don't feel like we can get away from understanding that the form is preserved and studied because of politics. Politics. You know what I'm saying? And so when you're talking about something like Bhartnatham, I mean, there's these beautiful, beautiful, Sonali Skandan taught me this. There's these beautiful lineages of thoughts that come from, you know, Rukmini Devi or Bala Saraswati. One being Bala Saraswati talking about the preservation of, of the, the feminine divine and the form and the sensuality in the form, the sacred and the profane, basically. And mm-hmm. then Rukmini Devi kind of talking about the geometry of the form, taking that sensuality kind of out of the form, making it more about the technique, making it more about the vigor and the power, right? And you're, we're having these huge, beautiful discussions without mentioning in a lot of open spaces, without mentioning and understanding that this was taken from the lower caste of Devadasis. They created wow. the form, right? It was called Sadir. It was called other things, you know? I so, didn't know so, that. That's so yeah, fascinating. So, so then just imagine, like, just fast forward a million years, and now just imagine us now under capitalism and white supremacy trying to tell people about culture. It's like so many layers removed. You know uh, what I mean? We're talking about something. So in the community, I'm not even a Bharatanatyam dancer, but in the community, we're talking about dismantling all of these layers and in our own forms. 
and we're trying to get the grant <laughs> and we're trying to be able to create in order to create work by the way not just to get money in order to create work in order to preserve work in order to teach work so we're trying to do all of these things at the same time and so that's why i say you're kind of comparing apples to oranges because we're talking about something that the roots are so, so far and deep and deep and it has gone through so many tumultuous times of history that it's like it's 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 not easy to have this codified definition it's not easy to do that because the the power has been in different people's hands along the way you know what i mean like Kathak, for example, is this beautiful confluence, as Farah Yasmin Sheikh says, this beautiful confluence of Hindu and Muslim culture. Culture. Not, not, not religion, culture. You know, you go to Lucknow now, which is a Hindu town, but you go and you say salam alaikum to everybody. That's not, it's a cultural thing. It's in the space. It's not what, who, what's your faith. You know, yeah. like people, all these people, they, they coexisted. We're talking about the Trinity in Palestine. We're talking about those, those, those monotheistic yeah. religions of, of, of Islam and Christianity and Judaism. They, it was okay until these forces came in and decided to divide and conquer, right? So we're talking about, and then, and then of course, the, the bargaining of, oh, you want to hold on to your culture? Oh, you want to hold <laughs> okay, on to your then. form? You want to preserve your form? Okay, so if you do this, this is how the state inserts themselves. When the state inserts themselves on culture, then culture is going to take a different turn. So many forms have inserted religious texts because of state-sanctioned violence, not because, not because that was ever part of the repertoire. You know what I mean? And so it, it's just really important to unpack some of these things because otherwise we're kind of twiddling our thumbs and we're trying to tell people, look, we're brown and cultured, you know? And, but like, there's just a lot to deal with, you know? Agreed. Like, how do I, how do I have my head on, head on my shoulders and yeah. make it happen? Like walk through those faces? Yeah, because recently I've been having a lot of mental breakdowns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So how do you function as a person who's also not just an artistic director, but a dancer, a model, an actress, a curator, and you're balancing all of those things in the back of your head? Yeah, that's a good question. Like the, the, the truth, well, the main thing to say here is, the first thing to say here is that we cannot not name that we just went through a once in a lifetime pandemic. So yeah. so we're talking about we're talking about a very very tumultuous time in terms of identity. So the pandemic was not only a health pandemic but there was a reckoning about race and there's a reckoning about history and identity at the same time. And that pandemic has been going on for 400 years. Uh we were just busy because of yeah. capitalism, right? So we subscribe to this other evil called capitalism and we just kind of move that <laughs> over there, right? Because we're all kind of on this, we're all on this um, mountain trying to get to the top 
you know? Uh, and so we think with hard work and we think without sleep and good work ethic and, and goals <laughs> and dreams and, you know, monday.com, we think that we're going to- Oh my God, I love a monday.com. I mean, I do too, don't, don't get me wrong. But like, uh, we think with all of these things that, you know what, we'll be able to fix things once we're at the top. Once we're at the top, we'll fix it all. You know, and then we'll tell everyone there's equality and equity and <laughs> like once we get to the top of this mountain, right? And so we're like struggling, struggling, struggling. And so along the way, when you realize the system wasn't really designed for us to climb it that, that easily, then you get depressed, you know, and then you get then and what you're saying is that you, you start to go, where do I even fit? Like, I yeah. can't excel in anything. I can't be the best at anything. I don't see a clear path forward. Um, the industry's fucked. Like, there's so many different kinds of things that will then tug, tug at you. But remember, you're already vulnerable. You're already vulnerable because of the system, right? So I think the only answer really is to divest from those systems. And by divest, I just really mean like stop, like try to interrupt moments, self-interrupt moments of um, judgment and um, pain and guilt and shame. Try to kind of interrupt these moments of, I didn't work hard enough, so I don't deserve a nap. No, you deserve yeah. a nap because you're sleepy. Like, that's why you deserve a nap, you know? Because you're yeah. a person, because you're a person who naps. That's why you deserve a nap. Maybe it doesn't need to be half an hour, though. If you want to hold yourself to something, then yeah. maybe make it 15. But don't not nap because you think you're going to save the world. That's not true, you know? These are the type of things that we have to kind of divest from. So when it comes to identity, I wanted to say that first. And the pandemic has put a lot of those things into perspective for a lot of people. Um, now everyone's an activist all of a sudden. So there's uh, that. So now everyone's You suddenly... talked about that. You yeah, talk about that a lot in your... That even with the work that you do, you don't even consider yourself to be an activist. Oh, no, I'm not an activist. There are activists because activists exist. Activists There's are on the There's the art of activism. And I think it's the same yeah. with like, yes, yeah. Yeah, I think activism, I think we need to be very careful when we use that word. You know, I know that yeah. people, there are some people who are, and there are some people who self-identify as that, and they should, because if you self-identify as an activist, then you have justification for that. So that's fine. But like, yeah. there are a lot of folks out there who have not spent enough time with the communities that they're advocating for. And so for me, it's a very... Um, weird thing to say and also there's a lot of frontline workers and there's a lot of people who are just out on the streets fighting these battles putting their bodies yeah. on the line for us to have this like ability to make a dance like you know what i mean like that it just feels like i'm not i'm not minimizing what we do i'm saying that they they make that space for us to then raise the consciousness of the people so i don't think we can then appropriate their 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 title I, you know yeah. like they're they're an activist. We're maybe, you know, we have maybe activism, yeah. we have notions of activism in our work. We're socially conscious of what's going on. Like, and there are some people who are artist activists. They're doing both. They're doing yeah. that work, you know? And so I think it's important to name that. But anyway, to your original question, <laughs> identity. Identity is important. It's really hard to navigate right now. And the reason I had to take that detour to get here is because I needed to name the context of the moment. 
you know the context of the moment is extremely important because the context of the moment keeps changing so our identities are going to keep changing our identities are not solid they're fluid you know and so they're going to change they're going to evolve they're going to respond to the time there's going to be different callings you know um i do think there's a lot of boxes there's a lot of labels we talk about like don't subscribe to labels i mean you can <laughs> I, you know, whatever. Like, we love a bit of Raven Simone, okay? We love a bit of Raven Simone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moment? We love a bit of Raven Simone. Listen, <laughs> I, I love Raven Simone. But what I'm saying is I just feel like we have to decide in every situation when it comes to identity. We have yeah. to decide in every situation. Are we, do we believe in reform here? Or do we believe in abolition here? Mm. Do we believe do we believe in slow and steady change? Or do we believe in burning this shit down? You know? There's certain and, and it's different for everybody, right? So you have to kind of figure that out for yourself. Like there's certain things that I will I will burn the shit down. Like people who commit sexual assault. I will yeah. burn I will burn the shit down. I know that they're traumatized, but I don't have space for it. Right. Yeah. So I will burn that shit down and I will hope to God that they get the the help that they need. But I will not be part of that. You know, yeah. that that's my personal thing. Right. But then there's there's other stuff where I'm just kind of like, I don't know, intergenerational conversation, accidental, accidental. I don't know, not using the right terminology, intergenerational conversation. I, these things to me, I'm like, when the woke police comes out, I'm like, shut <laughs> up and sit down like <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, it's such a privilege. There's such a thing as a woke police. <laughs> no, seriously. Like there's people coming out. There's young people coming out these days. Yeah. And they are calling people out without knowing anything about the culture. Uh, what they're calling out. And yeah. for me, that's problematic because that doesn't actually lead to change yeah. at all. In fact, that leads to a lot of animosity, yeah. right? Because that's basically the stepchild of... Colon settler colonialism is coming in not knowing anything and taking over you know yeah. and i just i don't i don't have that i have patience for people who don't know better i have patience for people who don't know better i don't have patience for people who cause e e irreversible harm necessarily but i have a lot of patience for people who want to do well and make a lot of mistakes you know what I mean? And I don't think that these, our generation and younger need to come out and tell anybody you. any different. What I do think we need to do, though, is powerfully move forward with our new standards and rules. We need to, pow we need to be so confident that we're not going to use certain words anymore, that we're not going to say certain. We need to be so clear and confident and move forward so that the future can understand what the new standards are. But we don't need to sit here and beat up the people who aren't there yet. I just don't believe it. You know? Okay, I'm gonna bust through this in 10 minutes. We're gonna play some games, but I really okay. wanna ask you a question which I really wanted to ask you. And you have to answer it within a couple of seconds. Okay, well, um, I'll do a quick thing. As a person who has 
a strong voice or a poignant, uh, a poignant view on things uh -huh. and who stands up for certain things. And also, like you said, there's certain things that you'll burn the shit out. And then there's certain things that you're willing to have a seat at the table, let's say, and converse about it and move the, move the needle forward. Uh -huh. um, and as somebody who uses a digital platform Mm -hmm. to to voice these things do you ever get a two second sort of thing in your head where you're like there's going to be backlash or there's the back like you talked about the woke police and things like that people coming out and who don't talk about it and with the cancel culture being like okay you won't work for this job you won't get this place or an agent telling you if you put too much political stuff you're not going to get that acting role. right you're not gonna like what do you do in those instances okay just to think don't come after me anybody or even if yourself and if i'm wrong please <laughs> correct me last year when a black the, can you hear me yeah easy? i can hear you you're good last year when the surgeons of black lives matter took to such a powerful space mm -hmm. and i think at that point there was still happening things in yemen in india in terms of farmers rights and then there were things happening in terms of just globally there were so many conversations to talk about right. and everybody decided to hop on this bandwagon and be woke and then if you didn't share a black tile it was like what's happening if you didn't do this what was happening and i was like no no this works there actually is works and i remember watching this video on twitter where i think it was in the bronx people burning people places down and this girl standing in front of a shop saying why are you even burning these things down what is the point of it you're destroying somebody's hard work you're you're mm -hmm. destroying people's cars you're destroying you're not doing anything to move the needle forward mm -hmm. so in in points like that where if you want to share certain things or have a point of view um and there's backlash of it um and it might stop you from getting work what's your perception what's your point of view on that my point of view is that you have to be so sure about what you're doing. Yeah. And then you have to go and do it. Yeah. That's my, that's, that's how I feel. <laughs> you have to be so sure because the, the problem that you're, that, that you're saying, right, in this, in this question, the prop, the real problem here is that people don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. People yeah. want to burn the damn thing down because they think they'll get something out of it. They don't know what burning the thing down means. They don't actually consider the consequences. A lot of people that are out here doing the right thing are not do saying the right thing are not considering the consequences of what it means for these very, very large actions that they want to take for something. I think you have to know what you want to do. You have to strategize. You need to have think partners and accountability partners and create a strategy. And then you have to execute your movement. Then you have mm. to go and execute your movement. I am in no place to tell somebody during BLM what they can burn down and what they can't because I am not a black life getting murdered. So I, I don't know that sentiment. I don't know it. All I can do is stand in solidarity with, 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 the sanctity of black life. That's all I can do. But if somebody handles it some, a certain way in one state and handles it a certain way in another state, I also don't need an opinion. I don't need to have an opinion. I need to make space for my black friends to have opinions. You know, part of the problem is that we are inserting ourselves into things that are not 
going to affect us either way. What we need to do is we need to associate ourselves and galvanize ourselves with, with missions and beliefs and movements that we want to add momentum to. That's what we need to do. And in order to do that, we need to strategize and we need to educate ourselves to know what we're aligning ourselves with. Because just not everybody is a leader. <laughs> there, is every, there are people out there that have been doing this work and what they need is steam. Mm. That's what they need. But in this day and age, in the individualistic part of life, we think that all of us are going to start a Fortune 500 company, theoretically. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, yeah. Each of us thinking that because we're taught from a young age, branding this, that, uh, uh, you know, and we're not thinking about the fact that there are people out there with this mission already. We can yeah. join them, you know, but we do need to know what we're joining. We do need to know what we're joining. Um, the games I call Super Child Play With Rye, we're going to bust through this lightning round and then if I'm getting to a point where you're like, I need to go, just do this. All okay. right, are you ready? Um, this How does it go? How does the game three, go? It's three rounds, I'll do it quickly, I'll walk you through it. Okay. This section is called If I Was. So if I was to say to you, if you were a colour, what would you be? You'd say blah, blah, okay. blah. All right. If I was a movie, what would the title of that movie be called? Onward. <laughs> What would the storyline be in quick two sentences? Oh, come on! Come a storyline? Yeah. It's, it, would be, it would be filled with it would be filled with things going wrong and the characters have to find a way to move onward. It's, that's the IMDb <laughs> synopsis. Who would star? Well, who would be the stars of this entire Onwards movie coming to oh, a cinema dear. near you? I love Mahersha, Mahershala Ali. Okay. Um, I love Rami, the actor Rami. Uh, Rami Malek. Rami yes, Malik. I love yes. Rami Malek. Uh, I really like Meryl Streep. I don't know if she fits. Oh, I love movie, Meryl Streep, but I she's love a, her. She's a very sweet person, by the way. Yes, I also like Glenn Close. I think she's really cool. Oh. Oh, and my top top is my top top is Viola Davis. Oh my god, that scene in How to Get Away with Murder, where she takes her wig off and she takes off her eyelashes. I when she ah. I that cannot. woman, that woman, I want She's to She's everything. <laughs> um, what would the song be? What would the title song be? Of Onward? Yeah. If you want to sing it, feel free to. Oh, no. That's it. Oh, no. That's the song. That's the song. <laughs> yeah, the chorus was like, oh, no. Yeah, that's the song. That's the, okay. We just did Who's, it. We just did who it. Who sings it? Who sings it? Oof. Oh, this is getting tougher and tougher. This is meant tougher. to be rapid. Okay, this is so hard. Okay, Josh Groban. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to make it like weirder and weirder now. If you were a fruit, what would you be? If I was a fruit, ooh. The first thing that comes to your head, quickly. Mango. Yeah, mango. If you were a drink, what would you be? Lemonade. Lemonade. If you were a food, what would you be? If I was a? Food. Oh, salsa. If you were a dessert, what would you be? This says a lot about you having sweet tooth. Mm, now, come on. Tiramisu. Okay. What? Okay. You're judging me? You're judging me? I'm not judging you. It's just, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you're better than a tiramisu. <laughs> I do like tiramisu. If you were a holiday destination, what would you be? Oh, Bali. No, oh, that's a nice one. Okay, you recovered. Yeah. If you were a plant, what would you be? Oof. 
this is hard. This is too hard. This is too hard. I don't know. An oak. No, a willow tree. A willow tree. Uh, if you were an animal, what would you be? Jaguar. If you were a pose, what would you be? A what? A pose. A pose. An, uh, a, like a modeling like a pose, pose or a dance pose. Oh, oh, a pose. If I was a pose, yeah. I would just stand completely center, hands on waist, full Beyonce style. Okay, cool. Do you love Beyonce? Yes. Huh? Do you love Beyonce? I have problems with her, the Work. way she does some stuff, but I am a big fan of Beyonce. Yes. Okay. We should talk about Beyonce the next time because I have very controversial opinions on that and I get butchered to a point where on the formation tour, I was like, boo. And people oh, were no. booing me. You can't boo Beyonce. Get the hell oh, out no. of here. I almost got pushed down the stairs. Yeah, um, good. You should have. I no! went down the stairs. Listen, okay, <laughs> there were valid reasons. I was here for Naughty Boy and Baby Boy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to show, okay, you have two sets. We have three sections to pick from, so you need to do. Either we can do best and worst, most overrated or underrated. I'll, I'll give you categories and you have to give me things for that. Or we do an activity round. Okay. Overrated, underrated. I love that. I've never played that. <clears throat> Most overrated and underrated dance trend. Oof. Or fashion trend. Okay. Quickly. Underrated, underrated would be the two-step. Oh, wow. Step side to side. Side to side. There is way too much, there is way too much, uh, gr there's way too much sauce in that. And not enough people uh, celebrate it. I feel um, like you don't need to explain yourself. This is rapid. Just keep oh, going. Sorry, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. We're under a time constraint. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Underrated was the two step. Overrated is. Overrated is. Oh shit. A shimmy. I'm not into a shimmy. Okay. Most overrated and underrated piece of theater. Overrated. Over here, Shakespeare in the Park. Do you guys have that there? No. We have. We have clothes. a whole. We have a whole Central Park Shakespeare in the Park situation i think it's overrated and I, then we're gonna go we're gonna go when i come to new york <laughs> we're just gonna sit there um, i love shakespeare and uh, underrated is literally anything at joe's pub there's this there's this place called joe's pub and i feel like nobody knows what's going on at joe's pub and i think joe's pub has the best shows ever we'll go there after as well uh most underrated you can either do dancer or choreographer most underrated dancer yeah. Or choreographer? Come on. There's one more section which I really want to do. I don't know. That's hard. There's so I, many people that are so amazing that nobody knows about. So then about. say the most overrated ones. <laughs> no, that's so rude. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Why does everybody want to be politically correct? I don't want to say someone's overrated. Uh-uh. That's uh. I feel like you could. You, you have a poignant opinion. Um, you, know who I, you know who I don't think is great at all? Is Lorianne Gibson. <gasps> that is the next section of this entire yeah fight. i don't really think it's that good i love... i went ahead and said it okay firstly i've never it. met her secondly i haven't either and sh and she'll never see this because i don't think i'm important so you don't know that i'm <laughs> gonna meet her and then i'm gonna play this for her. oh no <laughs> <laughs> um uh why why do you not do you not remember honey and when she teaches you the dance moves at the end or a boom cack, a boom boom cack. Oh, cack. I know, honey. Listen, I watched Honey all of my teenage years. Listen, I completely understand, but I can't get down. It's too cheesy for me. I can't get down. Is it making uh -huh. the band that killed it for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, the next section is called Boom Cack for Your Life because I love her. So, oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah. Literally, look. Boom Cack for Your Life. Oh my god. I am so sorry to interrupt again, but we were just doing the section which is called Sip a Chai and Play with Rai. And in the game sections of the show, there are some segments which are visual, so it would not have made sense on podcast form. So if you would like to watch any of the visuals <laughs> or the video, simply go to YouTube and just type in Chai with Rai to find the relevant episode. Also, I will link everything in the bio or the description below. But without further ado, let's get back to the end of the show. Um, what words would you give to your mirror self today? Um, you are enough. Oh! As you I feel are. it's the actualization of that. That's the word. Um, peaks and valleys is a question I ask all of my guests. Peak is a highest point of your personal professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? A valley is a low point of your personal professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? Okay, peak. I mean, I have so many peaks. It's hard. But my one that's just coming to mind right now, so I'm just going to say it, is um, I choreographed for the North American Bengali Conference. Uh-huh. And I choreographed the closing ceremony there. There, and it was a big piece on water, the the River Ganges, and um, that was a that was a really amazing amazing moment because it was in Madison Square Garden. And my mother and I choreographed a show together, a full show. So it was just a comment. I mean, there was a lot of things wrong with that day, but that actual show technical. Uh, yeah, and also the organization's horrible. But the the actual the actual what we made was cool. You know, and and I got to make it with my mom, so that was really cool. What did you learn from that? I learned that we don't work well together. <laughs> that's what that's what I learned. I learned that we do not work well together. That we are very very different. Um, yeah. We are very very different, and uh, but there's a lot of knowledge in being her uh, teammate got as it. opposed to being her student. There's a lot of knowledge, a different kind of knowledge that I gained from working beside her as opposed to under her so um that was important for me to experience a valley i was i'll be honest i was i was dragged for a show that i did in 2019 um that i shouldn't have been at it was it was a horrible place to be and i was there and and uh it went against my values it went against my politics it went against my um, mission in life to be there to be in alignment with that those people um, and I was there because I was there for a paycheck I was there to pay my dancers mm-hmm. um, and uh, that was a valley because that that then lasted a very long time of of, of public apologies and um, a lot of things you know which you know was a very good learning lesson for me in my entry into being an organizer but it was a very painful time because i was discredited for a long time what what was the lesson simply that to choose your work wisely or to put the the work first to put the work first and if 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 you're in a position where you have to take a terrible gig for money then then there's something wrong with your infrastructure there's something wrong with your own the own way you do your business you should never be um in a in a position where that that should have been an easy decision in the other way (laughs) so what does the future hold what does the future hold i don't know what's the ultimate give now for you or do you not have one you've lost sight of that you're focusing on the journey 
I'm focusing on the journey. I think that's honestly, I mean, I started therapy for the first time ever. Um, yeah. Couple couple weeks ago, and it was really helpful. Uh, my partner is the most amazing, supportive, beautiful, smart per person in my life, and she's a, and she's very very. Um, she she holds me accountable to a. Is lot she of an people. artist too? I couldn't. Yeah, tell. she's a choreographer. Her name is. Oh Lisa my god. Yes. Yeah, I want to ask questions on that then. Yes, her name is Stacey Webster. She is phenomenal. She's so she's so good at what she does um and is a beautiful artist but what she really in terms of our partnership she definitely holds me accountable to things that i said i'd do or things that you know she knows kind of like i know where your head's at but that's not going to serve you you yeah. know and she kind of like ha is that third eye for me so um oh look at uh, that the lights off again look at it <laughs> but yeah she's she's um that that's important to me as well to to name to name her what was the question i lost the question i was uh, like what does what the future hold oh what does the future hold the, i'm focused yeah, on the project. journey right now okay yeah i'm focused on the journey right now because i need to get my my head and my heart right uh, um okay. as we move forward with dance yeah and lastly what is your favorite chai to have Oh, masala chai on the train to uh, Shantiniketan in West Bengal. So okay. when you when when I get on the train at Howrah Station in Kolkata, yeah. then I take the train to Shantiniketan, the Shantiniketan Express. Yeah. And they stop like three times, I think. And yeah. all these little kids like run on the train and their uncles and their grandpas run on the train with this small clay cups and chai uh kind of the string pulled the the pulled chai yeah. um and it is the most scrumptious amazing it can never be replicated anywhere uh. bengali cha that i'm just obsessed with well, everyone, that brings us to an end, and I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guests for their time. Again, to mention, Chai with Rai is a pre-recorded live show, so to watch any of the videos from the show, simply go to YouTube and type in Chai with Rai to find the relevant episode. All of the information about the guest, myself, and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment, and subscribe. Show us all some love, because isn't that what we want at the end of the day, some love? Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here thank you again and as i always say breathe in breathe out now must go which means now i must go i own that that is copyrighted and i will sue <laughs> okay have a great one and stay curious till next time